0: Good morning. Hey, let's all stand on our feet one more time and give God some praise in this place. Can we do that? He's the reason why we're here. I don't know about you. I didn't show up to see anybody but my Jesus today. He's the reason why I'm here. Everybody watching online, go ahead and give God a big shout in your house. It'll wake the neighbors up. They need to be up anyway. We serve a big God. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated if you can. Hey, if you're a guest here today, my name is Josh. I get the privilege of being the lead servant here at Eastgate Church. And we're so glad that you're here with us today. So glad that everybody's watching online. Hey, if you're... First time tuning in, big welcome. Hang out with us for a few minutes, and I believe that God's going to speak to you today and do something in your heart. Hit that like button and that share button, though, so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can with this message. We appreciate you guys doing that. Man, I am fired up. And two other people are, too, today. I love that. I am fired up. I am so excited to get into this message today. I'm so excited to deliver the word to you today. I just spent the last few days hanging out at a lake, at a campsite with a bunch of men, soaking up some Jesus, reading the word, having some fun, eating some good food. And buddy, it was a blast. It was a blast. So guys, if you didn't get to go on the camping trip with us this time, you got to catch it next time. I'm just telling you, it was one of the most relaxing experiences ever. For me, I just—I'm just telling you, man. God was speaking to me the whole time I was there. And listen, I, I have to give uh, credit where credit is due. The fishing champion of the trip was Thomas Rasko. He outfished us all. He outfished us all. He caught one fish. So. <laughs> He, man, you want to talk about the Dead Sea. Well, we were beating the water wide out there. We couldn't get anything, but yeah, he, well, we were all watching when he caught the fish. It was, you know, it's probably a a two or three pound catfish, good size. But as the the trip went on, we noticed that the fish was growing. So it was a 12 pound catfish. And I'm happy to report to you that as of today, it is a 20 uh, pound catfish that Thomas caught on the camping trip. That's that's how it goes in case you know. Am I a little too loud for y'all this morning? All right, I feel like I'm shouting a little bit, so I don't want to hurt your ears or anything like that. I'm just excited. It's such a great season. Do you hear that ring going on? Yeah, we're going to get that under control. Thank you, guys. Uh, Just a great season to be a part of the church, a great season to be a part of what God is doing across the board. Ladies... Women, it's Mother's Day next Sunday. We have got some special stuff in store for you. It's going to be great. Listen, I'll let you on a little bit of inside information. It's Mother's Day, okay? So we're honoring all moms, whether you're a physical mom. Listen, you have the opportunity to be a spiritual mother in somebody's life regardless. So we're celebrating all types of motherhood next Sunday. But listen, ladies, It's kind of like national get your family into church day, right? Because they can't say no to you next Sunday. It's Mother's Day. You can get all those little knuckleheads in church and watch God rock their world. You've been praying for them all year. They can't say no to you, probably. Hopefully, invite them and get them in here, man. We're going to have a special message for you next week. And we believe that God's going to impact their lives. My favorite preacher in the entire world is going to be speaking next week. Pastor Kelly, not you, Pastor Kelly, my wife, is going to be bringing the word next week. And I can't wait. That girl can preach. She can bring a word. And uh, no disrespect to Pastor Jeremy's fragile ego over here. He's, he'd, be, he'd be my second favorite preacher. But uh, Pastor Kelly kisses me, so she's got to be my favorite Not every day you get to kiss a preacher, and I like kissing my wife. So, somebody said, did y'all need that? Hey, married guys, let me ask you, you like kissing your wife? Yes. Two of you, all right. Look, we got a marriage ministry that we're about to kick off, because apparently we need to get some kissing happening in these marriages. Man, there's no reason for the fire and passion of that relationship ever to die out. I'm just going to spend all morning talking about nothing, I guess. So let's, let's get ready to dive into this word. If you've got your Bibles or your tablets or your devices, go ahead and open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. You guys at home can do the same thing. or Y'all can tune into to the YouVersion Bible app. All the notes will be on there as well. But we'll have uh, scriptures and, and stuff on the screens for you just in case you forgot them today. And uh, we got you covered we were thinking about you. Man, I just I keep having flashbacks to beautiful steaks cooked on grills and over fires on the camping trip. If you missed out, guys, I'm just telling you, you missed out. It was beautiful to see fathers there with their sons, being able to hang out with them and spend time with them. We had one boy come back from camp, and the first thing he said when he, when he walked in was, Mom, I'm a man now. I was like, that is so awesome. So we had we had boys crossing over in the manhood at the, the men's camping trip. Amazing things were happening there. It was awesome. And just to be honest with you, uh, Rachel was pretty proud of Pastor Jeremy when he came in and he said that to her. Yeah. So she was It's a big weekend for Pastor Jeremy. A lot and then he kissed. He kissed his wife on the mouth and all was well my goodness gracious I, I saw you limping Rachel what happened with you girl you got your, your ankle <laughs> do what? 35. 35 ankle injuries we'll just count that up to age I just man she woke up. crazy 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 all right Matthew chapter 16 this pastor is not polished at all he is so <laughs> unprofessional I just I decided a long time that it's a lot better just to be yourself You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be a certain kind of something. I just want to be me and and serve Jesus and watch Him impact and change lives. So that's what we do around here. If you're looking for a church that's real, you found a really good place. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now here's 50 cents worth of wisdom. When Jesus is asking questions, it's not because He doesn't know the answer. Okay? When he asks a question, he's setting you up for something or he's trying to get you to think about something. And this is what he's doing with the disciples. As many people say the son of man is. And they replied, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still uh, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets, which is funny to me because when you ask a, a large enough group of people, everybody's going to have some kind of opinion about you. Yeah? Everybody's going to have some kind of opinion about you. Let me encourage you. Don't live your life trying to live up to or avoid the opinions of people. Be free from all of that stuff, all right? If you're going to be concerned about an opinion, be concerned about the opinion of your Father in heaven. Nothing else is going to matter. He is the only one that matters. Let people say what they want, think what they want. He's the one that matters at the end of the day. So Jesus asked them, "Eh, Abba, what about you? What about you, he asked Who do you say I am? Now that's a big question. Who do you say that I am? And I'll ask that question of you this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? Because your perception of him and who he is to you is either going to limit or unlock the power and the authority that you operate in in your life. Who he is to you is either gonna cap or open the door for everything that you can do for the kingdom of God. Either he's something abstract that you kind of believe in or he's somebody that you have a real living and passionate relationship with. He's somebody that's working on the inside of you to grow you into the person that you were created to be or he's just somebody that you give a high five once a week when you go to church. Who do you say that he is? Because who he is to you is a big deal. And Jesus is asking this question of the disciples. that who do you guys say that I am? And Peter jumps up and he gives the right answer. For once in his life, when Peter opened his mouth, he wasn't jacking stuff up. You know, like Peter was one of those people who just passionate, but... When he started, you know, the people in your life, and when they start talking, you just take a deep breath. Yeah. Oh, man, man, oh, man, oh, man. Especially if you got, like, one of those friends that you're cool with, but you're bringing them into, like, your other group of friends, yep. and you're used to their kind of crazy, but you don't know how everybody else is going to respond to their kind of crazy. So Peter <laughs> was that kind of person. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He got it right. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everyone say church. Church. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven in heaven. This is a powerful moment in scripture. Jesus has got his disciples all the way up in Caesarea Philippi, and he makes this big announcement. I am going to establish my church. My church. Now, this term, some of you may know this, but this term church that he uses is kind of a today's sort of translation of what Jesus said. What Jesus said was I will establish my ecclesia. Ecclesia. Now we roughly translate it into church, but ecclesia that was a worldly term used in like the common day talk when Jesus was alive. It wasn't a special word, it wasn't a newly created word, it wasn't one of those god-inspired just fresh revelation kind of words. That was an established word, ecclesia. Ecclesia was a governmental term. It was a group of people called out to be separate from the rest of society. And the purpose of those people was to govern in place of the ruling authority, like Caesar or an emperor or a king. So the king at the heart of the country land would send out his ecclesia. In a certain region that was under their control, and that ecclesia would represent the king's authority. They would represent the king's rule. They would, when he would create a new law, they would see that it was implemented in the area that they were in dominion over, or responsible for, or overseeing in his place. When they spoke with regard to the law, it was just as though the king himself was speaking. When when they exercised the enforcement of the law, it was just as if the king himself was doing that. When motorcycles went by the churches in the areas on their rides and disturbed the services, I think we could be in a bomb shelter and you still hear a Harley going down the road. They would get out there and make the cops, make the motorcycles go, I'm, I'm joking, but... Ecclesia was something very special and unique and powerful. Jesus was saying, I'm just not going to establish a church that you guys go to on Sunday. I'm establishing my ecclesia, my ecclesia, my representing authority. That while I'm ruling in heaven, they will execute my authority and my power in my place on the earth. What he was doing was he was reestablishing what Adam originally had with God. When God created Adam, y'all remember in, in, in the Garden of Eden, um, he said, you will have dominion over this place. Oh, dominion over the earth. I will be the p- person of authority in heaven. I am the king. I am the emperor. I'm the one in power and in control. And you will be my representative here. And I will make you in my image and in my likeness. And when I look at you, I will receive a reflection of the glory of myself and what I've created. I'll be here and you'll be there. The Bible says that God would go and walk with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden. And he walked with Eve. And they operated in that, in that authority and in that relationship with God. And when they sinned, it was done away with. Sin... Sin robbed us of that authority and that dominion and robbed us of that relationship that we had with God. And Jesus is announcing here that I intend to, re, to, to, to restore that. I am establishing my church. <clears throat> you will operate with my authority and represent me on the earth. When he died on the cross, it wasn't just the restoration of the relationship between God and man. It was the restoration of the power and the authority and the representation of our God on this earth. It was amazing. When Jesus established the church, he did something beautiful, and he did something powerful. Now we, we, we don't just have a relationship with him everywhere we go. Do you realize this? If you're saved, Jesus is in your heart. He is your Lord and Savior. You are a part of his church. You are a part of his body. Everywhere you go, you represent the power and the authority. And when you speak in the name of Jesus according to the rule of his word, You're speaking just as if God himself were speaking. That's the kind of authority that Jesus gives. When he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you, have you ever thought of yourself as wielding that kind of spiritual authority? Maybe it's time for us to take another step in realizing who we actually are in Christ. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that we are gods. All right, get me clear on that. We are children of God. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We are jacked up people that Jesus died for, and he set us free from our sin. Okay, so don't go thinking that you're more than you're not, but We have authority and power in the name of Jesus because we are his church, his ecclesia, representing him on this earth. Now let me tell you a lie that's real popular right now. The lie that's real popular right now is this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and and that's kind of been your go-to phrase. Now before you get all defensive... All right, Gary, I'm I'm not going to blow you out of the water or anything like that. I'm just saying this is a lie. This is a subtle deception that the enemy has sold people that should be connected to the church that aren't. I'm not saying you got to go every Sunday. It would be awesome if you're there every Sunday, every chance you get to do that. But, But to say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian is scripturally wrong. And I'll say that again, it's scripturally wrong. It's not Pastor Josh's opinion wrong. Okay, scripturally wrong. Who gives a flying rip what my opinion is? Heck, my opinion changes so much, I really don't care what my opinion is sometimes. I'll be honest with you. But if I'm speaking of myself and of my own preference or opinion, it carries no weight at all. All right, but, but when you talk about scripture, now that's something completely different. It doesn't matter what your opinion of scripture is. You're either on the right side of it or you're on the wrong side of it. You're either on the right side of Scripture or the wrong side of Scripture. And I'll, I'll walk you through this because I found personally, and you guys have probably seen this too, that most of the people that say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, are people that, <laughs> uh, that man, you look at the fruit of their life and it is nowhere near the Bible says we should live our lives. Not that any of us are perfect, but you ought to be able, if Jesus is in your heart, you should be able to see the fruit of it, right? That mean, you've got to be knocking it out of the park in all the areas of your life, but you should see evidence of growth in the process of maturing, and there should be some fruit, key fruit, that scripture says that we should be able to see in the lives of people. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Most of those people say that because they do not want to be held accountable for their lifestyle. Most of the people say that because they got a big problem with authority and the God of their life is their own personal opinion. Usually. Most of the people that say that, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, a lot of those people are people that have been hurt by church and they have found themselves an excuse not to resolve the issues that they should be resolving with other people and forgiving people that they should be forgiving. And so they've locked themselves up on an island and say, here I am. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. It's the church's fault that I'm not doing what God has told me personally to do in scripture. Get over yourself. I say that with all the love in my heart. Get over yourself. Have the conversations you need to have. I got news for you. When you stand in front of the God you think is going to give you a pass, you are going to be held accountable for the scripture that he says you should be living your life according to. And if you think you're going to show up there without forgiving people that have wronged you and wear it as a badge of exemption to not live according to the word of God, you've got a rude awakening coming. The Bible says that if you don't forgive those that have offended you or hurt you, The Bible actually says God will not forgive you of your sin. That just sounds mean, Pastor Josh. It's not Pastor Josh. That's scripture because it's the highest form of hypocrisy to deny somebody the grace and forgiveness that you demand to receive from God. You know what I mean? I mean, who do we think we are? So a lot of people that say that they're covering up larger issues, okay? Now, I know I probably just stomped on some toes of people that are watching or going to listen to this later. And maybe I stepped on some toes that are in here too. Let me encourage you. Just because you say something's okay with you doesn't mean that it's okay scripturally, okay? You need to go have conversations with the people. If the issue's not resolved, you are required to go have conversations with those people. Not broom out of the church and go somewhere else and say, well, I had a lot of issues with the church that I used to go to. I'm so glad that God's brought me here to a fresh place. No, you're in territory. You don't need to be in. You need to get your butt out of that church, go back to that pastor and apologize to him and make stuff right with the people in that church and get your butt back in the seat and involved in the church that you left and line yourself up with Scripture. It's what you need to do. What you needed again, make it right. Now I say all that. I know I feel, I'm sounding kind of firm, but I'm saying it with love. I'm encouraging you, as your pastor, to get this stuff right. Be in the house of God. If you're watching online, look. If if you if you're sick and you can't be, I'm not I'm not throwing shade at you. Uh, that's not what I'm doing. Um, if you are still being cautious because of COVID, because you are compromised in your health, I'm not throwing shade on you because of that. We get it. Okay. If you're on vacation, have fun. Be on vacation be with your family, take time off from church sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you look at the landscape of your life and consistently you're offering more excuses on why you aren't in church than reasons why you are there, I say circle that because there's something that needs to be resolved for whatever the issue is. It's a deception that's sweeping across the nation. We've seen more than one third of all churchgoers drop off the map in the last 18 months. It's crazy. And you can point and say, if the church had done this or the church had done that and the church had done this and the church had done that, and and I get it, maybe there are some things, the capital C church, okay, maybe not this church. I think there's some stuff we could have done and we could do better today. You know why? Because we're not perfect. Look, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect pastor. Your staff is not a perfect staff. We might not get things right all the time, but newsflash, neither do you, because we're all humans. We're all humans. So we all need the grace of God. Um all need the grace of God. Even if the church makes a mistake, you can have a conversation about the mistake. A mistake doesn't have to become an excuse that you use. Okay, and that, that's the deeper part of, of what I'm saying. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I would say from Scripture, that's wrong. And I'll read through some Scripture and show you why. Hebrews chapter 10. This church that Jesus established, this church that he called his ecclesia, this church that he says, if I am in you and you are in me, we are one. You are my church. You are now the body of Christ. Because this is what I found, that you can be in church and not be in Christ. But, if you are in Christ, you are going to be in his church. And you are going to be connected to his church. Because it's impossible to not be. Because his church is him. His church is him. His body is him. You can't be in him and not be of him, is what I'm saying. And so, um, we got scriptures like Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur One another on toward love. Say spur. Spur. Yeah, I don't know about you. Sometimes I need somebody to spur me on a little bit to keep me on track. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Not giving up meeting together. Everybody say this. Don't give up meeting up. meeting together. Okay. Now, Acts chapter 2 is another good block of scripture to look at. Um, Here's another thing that's said, and I'm kind of picking apart this misinformation on the front end of this today. And you'll see where we're going with all of this in a little bit. So I'm not just pogo sticking on this all morning, okay? Um, But a lot of people say, if you look at the early church, They were just meeting in houses and they were having meals together. The early church was a church that that they weren't confined to a building. The church was spread out everywhere, you know? And I get it because we are the church. This building is a building. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. But, but, Scripture encourages us to gather together as his body and as his church. Um, and the people that say, well, the church, early church didn't get together. They, uh, well, let's start in Acts chapter 2 and let's look at what the early church was doing. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper or communion, however you want to say it. And to prayer. So you look at the early church. They were devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to hanging out, to, out with one another. They were devoted to sharing meals. Can I get an amen in the house from somebody? Man, some yeah. good food will do wonders for your life, including the Lord's Supper. And they were devoted to prayer. Uh, a deep sense of awe came over all of them as the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. Everybody say one place and they shared everything they had. They met together in one specific location. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. If you really wanna do what the early church was doing, your hind end would be in church every day, worshiping God, not just once or twice a week. The Bible says a lot about us being together. They worshiped together in temple today, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. What's the point? The church was together. The church was together, and the church came together in one location. Now, why would it be set up that way? Well, Ephesians chapter four gives us some insight into that. I will show you the big, bad, crazy reason why we are called to meet together. It says, now these, in verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Did you know that I'm a gift that God gave you? Man, that makes me feel kind of special. I'm a gift. I'm a special gift God gave you. Some of you are like, yeah, you're special, Pastor. I don't know about that. I've been learning this. It's, it's, it's a gift. I like that. I am a gift. I am a gift. I like that. Happy moment right there. Verse 12 says, Their responsibility. Oh, now I see why I'm a gift because I've got responsibility. My responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. And build up the church, the body of Christ. Oh, junk. If you want a good definition of what the church is, there it is. His church, the body of Christ. Look, the name on the sign may say Eastgate Church. I may be the pastor of this church. There may be staff and volunteers and leaders and and serving and doing all that stuff. But listen, it is not our church. It's his church. This is not our stage, it's his stage. This is not our building, it's his building. My office in the back is not my office, it's his office. We're just stewards over the church, the ecclesia, his body, his body. My job is to equip. My job is to build up the church, you. My job is to come along aside you and to, to preach a word like this, corporately, for our encouragement and our correction. This is my responsibility from God. Pastor Josh, why did you just get on people for not being in church? I didn't. I read you the word of God. Who gives a rip what I think or what I say? My job is to hold us accountable to Scripture because we're going to be held accountable to Scripture. You know what I mean? So, so it's my responsibility to do that. It's my responsibility to to pray and walk alongside you and find out what your gifts and your talents are and what God has uniquely equipped you to be able to do because you have a part as a member of the church, a member of the body of Christ. You have a part, a responsibility of your own to do the work. To do the work. We build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, look at this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, well, what does that mean, Pastor Josh? My job is to equip you to do your part in the body of Christ. You have a part. I have a job, and you have a part. My job is to equip you for the ministry of the church as we reach out to our community. See how that works? Listen, the pastor of the church is not supposed to do everything in the church. The pastor of the church is to equip the people of the church to do the ministry of God's work as we reach out to the community around us. That is what we're called to do. We're all called to be a part or to be involved. From Scripture, we all have a part and this ministry thing in reaching others personally and corporately and collectively as his body. Listen, no church anywhere in any region should ever have to volunteer for people to or beg for volunteers and people to serve. A church where that is happening is a church that is jacked up and out of line with scripture. Okay, it is Our job to do the work of the ministry together. My job is to equip. Your job is to get out there and do it as you're equipped to do it. You have a part. Everybody say, I have a part. part. You have a part. You have a part as part of the body of Christ. You have a part. And if you aren't doing your part, now let, let me pause here for a second. There are seasons where you need to take a break. There are seasons where you need to sit and soak and grow and mature so that you can be more effective in doing what God has called you to do. One of the biggest mistakes of leadership is putting somebody in a place that they're not mature enough spiritually to operate in. You're not doing anybody a favor. You're doing them a disservice, and you're setting them up for failure if you do that. Scripture says to test people before you put them into places to do stuff, and that's what you ought to do. But when they're ready, to serve. But if you're not serving, then something is missing in the body of Christ. There's literally a part of the body that's not functioning like it should be. Now, if you're right-handed, take your right hand and put it behind your back. If you're left-handed, put your left hand behind your back. I'm, I'm right-handed. Now, imagine now you've got to function for the rest of the week like this. Everything, some of you all are ambidextrous, is that what you say? So you're like, ha I got you, Pastor. Okay, we'll cut off a leg. All right, so just hop around on one leg then if you can use both hands. However it works. The point is, you're going to be less effective because you're not operating with your entire body. Yeah. You understand? There's something awkward about it. Something doesn't look right. You know, you're fumbling over your stuff at your desk, trying, trying to type with one hand. People are going to be looking at you like, what, what are you, what are you, you know, what's going on with you? This is how the body of Christ looks when we aren't all engaged doing what we're called to do. Okay? And, and you might think you're, you're cool and you're comfortable hiding from what God's calling you to do. But I'm here to encourage you to step into that. Take a step into it and become a part of what God is calling. And I knew it. The church is just trying to get volunteers to do No, no. Look, we're good. We have great, we have, we, I don't even like the term volunteer because you don't. you volunteer at the YMCA. At church, you are a part of the body of Christ. Go volunteer for community service. Here, we are about kingdom business. And it's not even about volunteering. It's about stepping into who God created you to be. And it's so different. And here's the plus. Here's the plus. He says, when you serve, when, when the pastors are equipping and people are serving and, and everyone's doing their part, then something powerful happens spiritually in our lives. We begin to mature at a level that we could not mature at if we were not stepping into the work that God has called us to be a part of. You know, there's a level of spiritual maturity you just don't tap into until you get busy doing what God calls you to do. You just don't. There's a, an anointing and an equipping with power that you just don't get access to until you are actively obedient and going and doing. And and it goes further than that. It says, It says, then Now as we're maturing, we're involved, we're connected, we're doing what God has called us to do, we're being equipped and we're doing our part, then we will no longer be immature like children. He draws a line and says, if you are not doing your part, you're still immature like a child in your faith. He says, get engaged, become part of what God is doing so that you can mature and grow. Then you will no longer be immature like, a, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about like uh, uh, by every wind of new teaching. In other words, the more involved you are, the more deception proof you become. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Why? Because you're being equipped. Why? Because you're walking in obedience and you're a part of what God has called you to be a part of in this church or if you're watching online, whatever church you call your home church, let me encourage you, get off the bench and get into the game. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you. There are people out there that no one else can reach but you. I can't do it. I don't have your gifts. I don't have your talents. I can't connect with people like you can. There are groups of people I will never be able to step into a circle of and connect with. But you can do it. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you. There are people whose eternities are weighing in the balance. And that's not overstating it. We need you. We need you. And as we're involved, we grow and we mature and we become deception-proof. And we don't fall for the lies of the enemy like we would if we were not connected. Man, it's easy to get hurt and offended when you're not together in the presence of God with fellow believers. It's easy for the enemy to whisper the lie of deception in your ear when you're not connected. Being connected corrects that. So it's a beautiful thing that that Jesus has set up with his church, his ecclesia, his governing authority in his presence for us to come together, to be equipped, to do the work, to be deception-proof in our walk with him as we mature and grow. God did something beautiful when he set up how the church was supposed to operate. So here's a question. I love asking questions because questions create filters to put situations through, and they they help me stay on track with things. And if you don't do this, it's a really good practice to help you stay on track with decision-making moments in your life. So here's a great question. If everyone blanked like me, what would the church look like? I ask myself this question all the time. Why? Because I'm a pastor. I lead by example. I take it as a personal responsibility to make sure that I'm never asking anybody to do something that I'm not already doing myself. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying this is a question I ask myself. I encourage you to ask yourself this question it's right now, right now. Okay, don't think about the person next to you. Don't think about what you got to do when you get home or watching online. Just, just dial in for just a second. If everyone, blank like me what would the church look like? Well, what goes in the blank, Pastor Josh? Well, how about this? If everyone attended church like me, what would the church look like? If everyone did their part like me, what would the church look like? If everyone worshiped like me, what would the church look like? If everyone was generous and gave like me, what would the church look like? If everyone was present for outreaches like me, what would the church look like? Man, I'm telling you, when we have a huge outreach like Fall Fest, and we have over 2,000 people from the community show up to the church campus, to be a part of something that the church is doing to serve the community, there should never be an issue with getting people from the church to volunteer, or not even volunteer, but to do their part in the outreach to connect with over 2,000 people. It's just an example. There should never be a problem. If everybody blanked like me, what would the church look like? If everyone forgave like me, if everyone loved like me, for one loved like you, what would the church look like? Because the reality is, what goes in that blank, <laughs> at least for part of the church, is true. What we do matters, and how we do matters. And if God has called us all to be a part of his church... Whatever that part is, whatever it looks like, whether it's interceding or serving or or using gifts and talents and all of that, whatever that looks like, if we're all doing that, then how we do it matters. It matters. If everyone blank like me, what would the church look like? Why are you saying all that, Pastor Josh? Because we have a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. And we have a beautiful opportunity to reach a ton of people. In Douglas County, in Carroll County, in Paulding County, not just in the state of Georgia, across the world, the reach of our live stream is unbelievable. Man, and in over 60 countries, our, our podcasts and live streams are listened to or viewed. That's amazing. The church has never seen an opportunity like today to reach people for Jesus, especially in America. When times get tough, people get desperate. When people get desperate, they look for answers. And when they can't find them in the traditional ways they go looking for what really works, and his name is Jesus. We've got a great opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to reach this community. It matters. It matters. I mean, the kind of church that we are matters. How many of y'all have ever been a part in the past of not because you were upset with anybody, but a legitimately dysfunctional and bad church? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. We've all probably got a, a crazy church story. Man, we could get some coffee and I would you—I could tell you some stories. Oh my goodness, stuff that I've seen in, in churches. I traveled for three years. Um, been to just about every uh, state in the U.S. and uh, four foreign countries preaching the gospel and um, seeing some crazy stuff in churches. We don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church that's pleasing to the heart of God. Amen? I mean, if I got the chance to do something, I want to do it right. I want to do it right. I want to do it in a way that's going to glorify him. And so here at this church, we say a few things that kind of keep us on track. We say that we want to be a church where unchurched people can attend. We want to be a church where unchurched people can attend. We don't want to do religion. We want to do real. Religion kills people. Religion teaches behavior modification. If you get in church, you become a good Christian, and you act this way, and you talk this way, and you do things this way, that's behavior modification. Okay, Jesus' church teaches life transformation. Yeah, that's Very different. Yeah. Life transformation where His Holy Spirit renews and changes us from the inside out. So we want to be a church that unchurched people can attend. That's why we're casual. That's why we're just ourselves. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Well, we serve a perfect Jesus, and that's who we want to point people to. We want to be a church where no one walks alone. No one walks alone. Why? Because it matters. It ma- If we're the body of Christ, then let's be the body of Christ. Let's watch each other's backs. Let's lift each other up in prayer. Let's spur one another on to, to, to works of service. Let's, let's, let's pray for one another. Love for one another, forgive one another, restore one another, and be a beautiful picture of what God has called his body to be, a church where no one walks alone. We want to be a church where we can say, my ceiling becomes your floor. My ceiling becomes your floor. I want everything I've experienced in my life and my walk with God to become your starting point. I don't want you to have to reinvent the wheel. I don't want you to have to fight battles you don't have to fight. I don't want you to have to struggle in ways that you don't have to struggle. And if we all had that attitude where we said, my job is to lift you up on my shoulders so that where I am can become your starting point, where my ceiling can become your floor so you can go further and do more and be more for the kingdom of God than I ever could in my life. That's what the church is supposed to look like. My ceiling can become your floor. Hey, if you're over 50, let me encourage you. Don't make fun of the upcoming generation. Lift them up on your shoulders and let your ceiling become their floor. Why in the world would we complain about a generation coming up behind us when we are responsible for the dysfunction that we're making fun of in the generation coming up behind us? Be a better example. Walk beside them instead of making fun of them and let your ceiling become their floor. And we'll see a generation gap close in the churches. And the last one, and this is, I think, so beautiful. We want to be a church where the power of God transforms lives. We want to see God change lives. Because, listen, we're not very smart people around here, but we have figured out one thing. We're nothing without him. And it's his power and his spirit that transforms lives. Not how beautiful someone speaks. It's the anointing on the words that burns in the hearts of people when they hear it. It's the power of his word that makes the difference. That's what we want to be. And if we're all doing our part, all doing our part, then we can be a church that unchurched people can attend. We can be a place where no one walks alone. We can be a place where our ceiling becomes someone else's floor. We can be a place where we see the power of God transforms lives, not just in here, but in everything we do in the community. With the book bag outreach that we have coming up in July, where we're going to reach out to the community, and our goal is to give every child A book bag and supplies and give them a haircut and give them encouragement. And if we can work the deal right, it's still hanging. But we want to give kids a new pair of shoes before they go into school. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But if you're going to swing for something, why not swing for the fence? You know, if we all come together, we can see God do amazing things with this stuff. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and those gathered there, the early believers. And he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everyone say disciples. That's our job. Your job and my job is to make disciples. Not just attend a church on Sunday or casually walk or watch online but to be engaged and be a part and actively make disciples. You are called to make disciples. I'm called to make disciples. To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That was a dramatic moment. <laughs> but I'll spin off of that because moments matter. And it's important that we are engaged in the moments that matter most in life. This is one of them. This is one of them. Can you imagine a church where all of the stuff that we just talked about was actually happening? And it wasn't just an agreed-on philosophy by a group of people, but it was actually something that we were living out in our daily lives to the best of our ability. Can you imagine over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. He said, this rock, I will build my church. What he started there was transformational. The early church moved like an army and literally transformed the culture and society that they were in. Nero was killing them by the hundreds and by the thousands. And they stood boldly for the Jesus that had changed their lives. And they were burned at the stake. And they were ripped apart by lions. They were impaled and dipped in tar and used as human torches to light the Colosseum. They were butchered by gladiators. Thrown in jail, ripped out of their homes. See, that is our heritage. People that were unintimidatable and so committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus that they didn't care what happened to them. Fast forward to today and we complain because we have to serve for an hour and a half at a place. Trying to reach people for Jesus. We complain because coming to church twice a month is just too much of a commitment. Or even three Sundays. You, under, you see the difference? Man, maybe the church today needs to be shaken up just a little bit. Maybe we need to face a little bit of persecution. Maybe we need to get our nose bloodied. Maybe we need some of that to happen to wake us up to the reality that there is an enemy out there that is waiting for the opportunity to destroy us. And the only thing that protects us in this country are the laws that are on the books. And if they weren't there, don't you think for a second, that we would, man, it changed the culture. In a hundred years, The Rome that tried to stomp them out (laughs) became a Christian empire because they could not stop the early church. And the story of the church doesn't end with the book of Acts, it's still continuing today. And we are writing in the pages with what we do, with the opportunities that we've been given. You imagined Jesus in Caesarea Philippi. On this rock I will build my church. Looking out across time over 2,000 years and looking at us today. With him in our hearts. Part of the body. Called to be part of his church. I wonder if we can be what he was seeing all those years ago. To do our part to reach the world as his church. Can you imagine a church that was doing that? Can you imagine if in your life, you stepped out of all the fear, all the apprehension, that we were able to actually forgive and see things restored and step into the place in the body of Christ that we're supposed to be in and do our part, that, that the body of Christ will become healthy and reaching all the people that we would give and come together and understand that, that when we give, we're giving financial power to the church to reach the community. Can you imagine a church Where everyone did their part. That was operating in financial power. That that was full of passion and love. To reach the community and introduce them to Jesus. Can you imagine what an impact a church like that would have? Can you imagine the impact that we could have with this brief life? To make an eternity's difference in someone else's That's what Jesus was seeing. That's why he said, I'm going to my Father, (laughs) and you will do greater things than me. He was betting on us as plan A. There is no plan B. Us, his church, doing our part to reach the community, to reach the world, ultimately to glorify him. That is what the church is meant to be. That's what the church is meant to look like. Not a gathering place of like-minded or like-thinking people. But a gathering place of the army of God on His mission. His governing authority on this earth. Each one of us tasked with making an impact. That's what church is. I don't know about you, but that flies in the face of everything I was raised up to believe. But scripture says something different. What an honor. What a privilege. What an opportunity. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask in this moment, you speak to our hearts. When you challenged us and you corrected us with your word, you've encouraged us with your word this morning, speak to our hearts. Let us put this word to action. Because hearing it does us no good. We've got to do it. We have to apply it to our lives. This is a moment of change for a lot of us watching online and for a lot of us in this room today. You've called us to be engaged. You've called us to be a part. That's what your church looks like. Not some consumer-minded group of people. No, you haven't called us for any of that. You've called us to be a part. Not to decide if we want. No, it's an honor and a privilege to be a part. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. You say, Pastor Josh, the Lord spoke to me today. The Holy Spirit spoke to me today and I've seen some things in my life I need to adjust and I need to change. I've I've been attending and I know that I need to step in and become a part and I haven't done it yet and today's just confirmation that it's time for me to take a step. Maybe you're here, you're watching and you're one of those people that have been hurt and you're disengaged. Let me encourage you to re-engage and come back. Your church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. There are people out there that need you. It's time to re-engage. It's time for all of us to use our time, our gifts, our talents, our resources to reach as many people as we possibly can. We need all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Why? Because that's the church that Jesus died for. That's what scripture says we're supposed to be. And I'm just reminding us today of what this is supposed to be all about. Us serving Him because He saved us. Us sharing His love with those that need it the most. you hear here today and you say, you know what Pastor Josh, God's spoken to me and I need to re-engage, I need to up my commitment, I need to step out, I need, I need to find a place to to be a part, I need to use the gifts God's given me to be a part not just to fill a seat, but to be a part of the body of Christ. If that's you today, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. One, two, three. Lift your eyes up and look at me. I see yours and yours. I see yours. Praise God. I see you in the back. That's what it's all about. Us doing our part. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. There are several of us that lifted up eyes and I love that. I love that one because you feel like this is a safe enough place to do that. Two, that you're responding to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I love that. I don't know about you. (laughs) I want to be a part of a real church. I want to be a part of something real and authentic i I want to give my life to something, I want to give my life to something that's making an impact that is bigger than me. And that's everything that the church is. I want to make sure that we get it right. We stay away from all the religion. We stay away from all the traps, all the arguments, all the pettiness, all, all the silliness. And we stay focused on what matters the most. I want to say a big thank you to everybody that lifted up your eyes. I want to encourage you, if you don't know where to get involved in the Eastgate Church, come talk to me and we'll we'll figure out. We'll figure out how to get you involved so that you can begin to do your part. To do your part. For some of us, our part looks different than physically serving. Some of us are involved in what's happening. But God's taking his finger and he's putting it on our heart and he's saying, hey, do you own the stuff or does the stuff own you? and he's reminding us, hey, all we've got anyway belongs to him and we're just stewards over it. And maybe our part isn't so busy, being so busy and doing all the stuff that we do is to be reminded that hey, he's God over everything and that includes our wallet. it includes our possessions. Because it does us no good to have a church full of volunteers with no money to do anything. And I'm not saying that's the problem. I'm just painting a picture. I praise God for this church because we have a very generous church. We really do. I'm telling you, our numbers trend way higher than they should for the size of our church. That says beautiful things about the heart of the people in this church. But let me encourage you to take that step, whatever it looks like. So that we can be a church that unchurched people can attend. So that we can be a church where no one walks alone. So we can really say that my ceiling is your floor. We can be a place where the power of God is transforming lives because we're a church doing our best to be what He says we can be. Amen? Amen. How many of you would love to be a part of a church like that? Yeah? How many of you would love to invite someone to be a part of a church like that? Yeah? How many of you think that a church like that can make an impact in the community? yeah well let's do it let's do it what do you say let's do it let's get busy all across this place let's just lift up our hands and begin to worship the lord father i thank you for the power of your word for what you're doing in our lives right now what you've already done in our hearts today god i just pray that we all take that step i know we're all in the process of maturing and growing into who you called us to be. And I pray that no one in here felt condemned by the message. I pray that we felt convicted, that we felt challenged, that we felt encouraged to take a step closer to who you called us to be because there's nothing but blessing on the other side of it. I don't think we realize what we miss out on sometimes by not stepping out in obedience. Your plan is so much better than our fear and apprehension. God, let us learn to trust you at that level. Lord, collectively, Father, we ask, we ask, Lord, as we operate in obedience to your word and we do our part to be the church that you modeled for us to be, God, I pray, Lord, that you give us a platform to reach this area for you. Lord, that you give us a voice like we've never had before to reach people for you. Lord, that you give us inroads into people's lives personally to connect with them like never before father you create opportunities for us to speak into individuals lives to share this gospel that we have father not just as a church not just in outreach events but personally and everywhere we go and everything that we do lord let us be a light for you God, let us be a church that pleases you. And not just us, but let all the other churches be churches that please you. I know there are wonderful churches all around us, God. And I pray that no one misinterprets what I'm saying. We don't have a corner on the market. We're just one part of a larger body doing our part collectively to to reach those you've called us to reach. God, I pray that we do that in a way that puts a smile on your face. That when you think of Eastgate Church, when you think of the people in our church, Lord, that you smile. I pray that you smile and you say, those people, those people are after my heart. Let us be that. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise for what you've done for us today. God, I pray, Lord, that we walk out of here and put it into action now and live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God some praise this morning.